Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen, joined by Joyce. Joyce, it's, it's daytime. The last time we I know, I can see you. It's nighttime. I was in a undisclosed location. Uh, now I'm back in my, my den here or whatever. You, uh, you survived Blair Witch. I did. I, was, I, I, I stayed away from the corner of the room and... Uh, yeah, now I'm back. So that's good. No, no stick. Uh, what were, it was like stick figures, right? In the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it, it's been a while since I've seen it. So. I haven't seen a long time either, but it was a lot of fun when I saw it. Uh, no, just we're not here to talk about Blair Witch Project, but I do think this is more grist for the mill of us doing a 99 uh, episode of this because I feel like I have, I saw Blair Witch in the theater. It was great, but no, we're not going to talk about Blair Witch. We're teaching Miss Tingle again. Or the SAG Awards, and, and I guess we'll mention the SAG Awards. We, we like should try to fold in teaching Mrs. Tingle every episode, though. We just somehow. did here. <laughs> I know. Um, no, we're here to talk about the Oscars. Joyce. It's Wednesday we're recording this. It's a, a big day. Uh, some Coming up, we'll talk about the Oscars uh, fan favorite moment and also the show changes, uh, which were just delightful uh, this week. The, the Academy uh, the, uh, president uh, was out doing press to kind of, you know, stamp out some fires uh, from the membership. And, and defend the, themselves. Like, Yep. Uh, and no, but no, we're going to start Joyce with the, the best picture race after Coda won on Sunday night at the SAG Awards. We talked about perhaps is that the the movie that people will rally around as an alternative to the power of the dog. And then early this week, I guess, was maybe on the Monday episode of Mark Marin's podcast, WTF, uh, Sam Elliott just unloaded on our front runner, Power of the Dog. Joyce, I have the, uh, the quotes here. Uh, please, please read it. You want to talk about that piece of shit? He said. You didn't like that one, Mark Marin asked. And then he says, F no. Uh, why? I'll tell you why I didn't like it anyway, Sam Elliott said. I looked at it when I was down there in Texas doing the Yellowstone spinoff, 1883. What really brought it home to me the other day when I said, do you want to fucking talk about it? There was a fucking full page ad out in the LA Times. And there was a review, not a review, but a clip. And it talked about the evisceration of the American myth. And I thought, what the fuck? This guy's done... This guy's that this is the guy that's done Westerns forever. The evisceration of the American West. They made it look like what are all those dancers that those guys in New York who wear bow ties and not much else. Remember them from back in the day. I guess that's the Chippendales, Joyce, I believe he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went on from there. Very unhappy with the movie, Joyce, I would say. And, and also Jane Campion. What you have to do this woman. Uh, she's a brilliant director, by the way. I love her work, previous work. But what does she know? from down there, New Zealand, about the American West. And why did she mo- shoot this movie in New Zealand and call it Montana and say, this is the way it was? Rub me the wrong way. So Sam Elliott, not, uh, not into it, Joyce. Not into no. Power of the Dog. Um, yeah, you know what was funny is I, I saw that circulating Monday and I was like, I'm, I'm waiting for an outlet to pick this up. Yes. And then it happened yesterday. Everyone Tuesday. picked it up yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw people were, you know, obviously uh, the, the those are pretty loaded comments, not just about the movie, but about what it's about. I think there, there's a lot right. going on there. There's uh, uh, homophobia, yeah. xenophobia, misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam Elliott. Yeah. So I saw Mark Maron actually tried to defend the movie a little bit in the interview. I think he was like, well, that's kind of the point of the movie is like all this stuff that Sam Elliott was perhaps uh, complaining about. I also saw an interview, an older interview Sam Elliott did where he was like praising Brokeback Mountain. Uh, so it's not he, but he he was in that interview. He was nuanced to call the Brokeback Mountain was not a gay cowboy movie to him because they were not cowboys; they're sheep herders. Yeah, and also he's worked with 
uh, Ang Lee before. Yes. So he was yes. in Hulk, I believe. Yes. Uh, so he was like, I respect him greatly as a filmmaker. So anyway, yeah, he, uh, he just seems to have a very speaking of the American myth, like he has this mythologized view of a Western and a cowboy, the machismo <laughs> yes, aspect. Yes. And, and if anyone infringes upon that and have a, as he says, like quotes of homosexuality, uh, he's taking umbrage with that. Right. And also, it's very, I feel like he does not know that uh, this is based on a book. By Thomas Savage. No, I don't think much about it. I definitely, I mean, clearly did not like it, uh, regardless. And I would say uh, Sam Elliott at 77 years old, I'm not necessarily totally surprised that he was not, uh, you know, enraptured by this this film, I guess. But uh, Joyce, we were talking about this before we started recording. There's a sense perhaps that this is like, is this a, is this a shot across the bow of Power of the Dog as a best picture contender? Because Sam Elliott's so unhappy, and perhaps I guess the the to play devil's advocate is Sam Elliott the first uh, takedown of Power of the Dog that will allow people, you know, if they parse through, like we said, the homophobia and xenophobia of the statement, uh, do they kind of go, yeah, I didn't, I was not that into it, you know? It gives does Sam Elliott's aggressively anti Power of the Dog take give people who are lukewarm on it permission, perhaps, to start saying it's not for me. I mean, he's definitely not the only person in the academy or the industry that feels that way. Probably they're just not vocal about it like he is, you know, it's it's like the silent majority, basically. Maybe not even my majority, maybe minority. I, I would, it, it, you know, when like this came out, everyone obviously made the direct comp to Brokeback Mountain and Ernest Morgan's and Tony Curtis's comments back then. Obviously that lost. <laughs> to right. crash. Uh, I would hope we've made some progress in 16 years, but as you said, you know, he's 77 years old. Um, and there's, there's definitely other people who, uh, probably share similar sentiments. Um, but I would think, you know, this would also just rally paradox supporters around it. Like maybe if you, uh, enjoyed the film. Maybe it's like in your top three, but now you're just completely offended by his remarks. You're like, I'm going to vote at number one, you know, or rank it higher than I would have. I could see that for sure. I think the response was largely uh, positive towards Power of the Dog, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Well, it was also like, this is like the whole film is about toxic masculinity. And it's like, you're just kind of proving its point. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so I, I saw a lot of people jumping to the fence of Power of the Dog. I think, I think the Netflix film, uh, Twitter feed uh, did a great. Oh list. yeah, uh, incredible shade. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, he's just a man, right? It was that part. Yeah, that the, scene. Uh, mm-hmm. That part of the scene with the, the Kirsten Dunst uh, video or screenshot, excuse me. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that was. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would say like, I think we're. You're right. I don't think. I think it's going to make people more into Power of the Dog, perhaps than not. I would say like, I do think there is a slight push against power of the dog from people in the Sam Elliott ilk slash like just the fan, the, maybe the regular moviegoers while, while power of the dog, which we'll talk about was on the fan favorite list. Uh, At the top, uh, top 10 finalists. It was a top 10 finalist for hashtag fan favorite of the year. I do think that the more like we have talked about the more regular moviegoers who see power of the dog um, when they're just scrolling through Netflix are perhaps going to be like, eh, you know, I think. Right. But I would say the fact is, and we've talked about this with how the Oscar nominations played out and just in general, the Academy is growing more diverse and more international, more importantly. And I think we've seen over and over, and especially with the response to Power of the Dog and the nominations, it feels almost like the Academy is shifting much more towards like a, a cineast uh, perspective than like a typical you know, 2012 Oscar voter when Argo is like, you know, like it used to be like the most media. I'm going to say mediocre, but I don't mean mediocre. It's like like, like middlebrow. Middlebrow. There you go. The most middlebrow movie was likely the movie that would win Best Picture. And especially in a a consensus, in a preferential ballot, excuse me, that that was going to surface. But now, as we've seen recently with like Nomadland and Parasite and even like Spotlight, I think you could argue, like these are movies, a Green Book accepted that are not the most middlebrow options, right? And I wonder if Green Book is, again, is that the last stand of the middlebrow as we like kind of have moved into this bigger, broader international body that is much more focused on like the art of cinema than like 
what's a crowd pleaser. Cause I think if like we said, like looking at last year, like Chicago seven probably would have won best picture over Nomadland if it was 2013, but in 2021, it was not even close. Like we all knew Nomadland was going to win. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Green Book winning really did a number on all of us. <laughs> it, it was only three years ago, but still, it, it was just like, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, for other reasons, also, uh, like, did not believe in Parasite winning, even though there are a lot of signs there for it. But I also believe it, that was just like lightning in a bottle. Like, we might not see something like that again, um, or at least for a very long time. And then, you know, like you said, like last year, people were constantly looking for an alternative to Nomadland and like trying to make Chicago 7 happen as like the crowd pleasing alternative, which ended up winning nothing. Um, and yeah, like this year, everyone's looking for, for an alternative to Power of the Dog because um, it's it's not a crowd pleaser. It's, you know, a, a very well-made film, a very cerebral film, not for everyone, as we know, but you know, this is not the People's Choice Awards, except for those two uh, Twitter categories. Hashtag fan favorite. But even then, Power of the Dog, you know, it stands, got it in the top 10 there uh, over some of these alleged uh, crowd pleasers with like, you know, crowd pleasing moments, you'd mm-hmm. say. And, um, but, you know, what's important is like, it's the voters, it, it only matters like what the voters think. And because they're the ones picking winners. It's not a People's Choice Awards. And they already gave it 12 nominations. It got some surprise nominations and categories in which we were not expecting it to show up really. So it has a, a, across the board support. And we've talked about before, like when nominations came out, how basically all of its other uh, best picture rivals has something missing. Right. And it's, it's very well supported everywhere. And I think something like this, this controversy, it's, I think it, you know, Ironically, it was also something that was missing from the quote unquote narrative of the Parable yes. Dog because everyone understands like it's well reviewed and, you know, just, you know, what a picture. Right. And but it, it was, you know, again, people were just thinking like like the general public hates this film, like it can't win. You know, people will rank it low. Um, but now it like this also gives it a message of importance. Like we all knew about the themes of it, but now it's kind of like bearing out in real time that like it's like this this like Oscar nominated actor uh, who got his nomination for A Star Is Born, starring Lady Gaga, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, has come out you know just completely revolted by this film, Correct. attacking I, it. I definitely and, think yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so no so it, like it's. I, th- I think now it's it's kind of like, oh, yeah, like we like we we knew it had a message before, but now like we see that like we, we need to drive it home, you know, because it's 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 here. And like it's, you know, someone in, within our industry is speaking so loudly about this. Right. I, I think that's 100 percent right. I would say like like I said, I think the fact that I think if Sam Elliott would have said if it's in, but what is there's like an old, like if it's in, whatever it is, but if Sam Elliott would have said like I didn't like that movie, it was really boring. Right, like he doesn't have to like the movie. You don't have to like every single movie. Completely fine for you not to like a movie. He probably would have gotten more traction, I think, from the the non power of the dog stands, right? The anti stands, yeah, non fans. Because I think like I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons uh, recently, Joyce. You know, I love the Ringer uh, podcasts, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the Oscars, and he was like. And he, he and, and Sean Fennessy were talking and I think he said something like, oh, yeah, we got to pretend we like Power of the Dog, which I feel like is like a sentiment I could see people rallying. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it's like, oh, that's a movie we got to like can't talk, talk smack about it. And it is what it is. But so Sam Elliott, if he would have just said it was boring, I think would have opened the door for more. Which is what a lot of people who don't like the movie say. <laughs> right. Uh but no, he took it perhaps a little too far. And like we said, like kind of missed the old point of the movie. I mean, like that's like the the crux of the film is what he is saying is wrong yeah. with it, which is weird. Um, it, yeah, it's, just, it, it's weird. Know. And also it, I, I like LOL'd when he was so offended that she shot it in New Zealand when I'm like a lot of Westerns were shot in Europe. Like probably also mentioned like how Benedict, I didn't get to it in the quote because it's, it's a long, long rant. Uh, but he mentioned how like Benedict is not on the horse very much. And I'm like, that's because like we had seen like they don't they actually don't use horses that much anymore because of like, you know, animals on sets are like they're kind of moving away to that and like kind of doing more uh, visual effects and subtly incredible visual effects works. And there's a, yeah. I, we've talked we were, I, we've texted about it. I thought like there's a great VFX reel for Power of the Dog 
where it's like a lot of the stuff you're seeing in there is all like filled in with visual effects. It's obviously shot on location in Montana, but a lot of the cattle, a lot of the houses, all these different things. And it's incredibly subtle work. Um, and particularly with horses, I think there is only like one or two shots of Benedict on the horse, probably because there was only one or two times he's actually on a horse, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just when, when he's and, riding and everything with, else. with Cody, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the other problem is, which we've talked about, we talked about this last year. I feel like we'll talk about this every year when there's a front runner. And we talked about this on Sunday night. How do you pick what the alt number two is? And is there a consensus around the number two? I think the last time we saw, like, I don't even know what was the last time there was like a true, like surprise win. Would you say like, what do you think it was even crash? I mean, like there, like a lot of these are not bigger, like that much of a surprise in the last decade, let's say. No, I mean, yeah, like, like Parasite was always coming on strong, even if you were like 1917 team, right. you know? Um, yeah, Green Bay that year. Yeah, spot, well, spot, yeah, that was a three-way race mm-hmm. with that and uh, Big Short um, and Revenant. Birdman and Boyhood. I mean, the yeah, Birdman. Yeah, but that, one, these... that one just changed completely because right. it was like Boyhood for, like for the first half through like Critics Awards and then it completely changed to Birdman. With 12 Years of Slave and Gravity, I guess, right? Yeah. But, so but like, yeah, I, so those are always like the top two though. So it's usually right, right. like, you know, who at least like the top two or three are. Yeah. If you look, I mean, like we could go through like Argo was a kind of Argo, but like the King's Speech and Social Network, Hurt Locker and Avatar, Moonlight and La La Land, right? There's always like a two, maybe even, even Green Book and Roma from 2019 show is like, there's always two. This year and like last year, there really was not two, like Nomadland. And then you could say Promising a Woman or... Trial of Chicago 7 or Minari or whatever it was. There were just many options for that runner-up spot. And I feel like we have the same problem or issue this year because while Coda... It's a problem if you don't want Power of the Dog to win. Right. If you're looking for like a little parody or some kind of race. Uh, Power of the Dog is obviously the top dog. Uh, Joy, sorry about that one. But it is the top dog uh, with 12 nominations. And obviously, like we said, overperformed everywhere. And we could talk about like I've seen people in our... In our comments choice, I hazard to read the comments, but I've seen people be like, what I, I never read comments. Is Power of the Dog going to win? And it's like, well, it would have been Best Picture, Best Director, probably Best Adapted Screenplay, maybe Best uh, Cinematography. Like, like Cody Smith-McPhee obviously is still a major contender. That's five right there. If it won Cody, maybe six. I mean, like it could win more, right? Like there are, it's got 12 nominations. It's going to win like probably four at the least. Probably the most the night, I would argue, maybe tied with Dune, maybe. Yeah, Dune like the thing six. is also like in this era, we don't have like huge sweepers anymore. Right. We don't have like movies winning like, you know, six or seven Oscars. It's right. like max, like four, you know? Um, yeah, so it could collect four. Um, but yeah, I think now like everyone's trying to look for who could beat it and like trying to adjust to it because for the longest time it was Belfast. Right. So, and now a lot of people on like Team Belfast are jumping to like Team Coda because of the SAGs. So I feel like we were we were definitely out in front of that discourse choice. I don't mm-hmm. think you and I have been sold on Belfast as the uh, crowd pleasing alternative to Power it's, of the it's, Dog. It's it's not a crowd. Nothing wrong with not being a crowd pleaser. Power right. of the Dog is not one. Like Belfast is just a, a drama. And Belfast. I mean, like if you're, this is all putting the quality of the movies aside. If you're just thinking of like the noise these movies are making, Belfast is not making as much noise as a lot of these other movies. It's not mm-hmm. like getting the enthusiasm that Coda seems to have. And we'll talk about West Side Story out on, on streaming today. It's not getting the viral uh, reconsideration after two months that West Side Story is. It's not even like, like we, even like King Richard, I feel like has more online buzz than Belfast at the moment. So not that that. Yeah. Like it has, me. like King Richard has a locked like acting winner, basically, you know, right. who was one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. <laughs> so when Belfast is kind of like falling off, then we're looking at Coda, West Side Story and King Richard, I guess, as the next three and perhaps Dune I, would be the fourth. Uh, in there. Yeah. Dune would just, I mean, if you subscribe to Dune, it would, it would be just all tech support. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also missing the director nomination, obviously. No director nomination, yeah. no acting nomination. And it doesn't even really seem like being seriously considered as a best picture contender, but obviously it had uh, 10 nominations. So it's like a, a strong factor, but then you're left with Coda and West Side Story and perhaps King Richard, but let's say Coda and West Side Story are the, the two. Like we said on Sunday night, uh, Coda only has three nominations. Uh, best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer, and Best Adapted Screenplay for Sean Hader. 
I could see it winning for Troy Kotzer for sure. I still have him predicted now after the SAG Awards, but does that mean that it's going to win two out of its three and it has no other Academy support? Like if it was going to be a best picture factor, and I guess you could, the argument for this would be, well, it still wasn't widely seen. Apple's really done a great job recently getting in front of people. They're obviously like a very, like a cast that is warmly embraced, certainly like the most likable group of the year, let's say, no offense to the other casts, but I just feel like the embrace and the, the love for the CODA group is like very strong. Um, so maybe if it was the Oscar nominations were like this week instead of a month ago, it would have gotten a best editing or any other extra nomination, best song, like we said, or best, you know, score even. Um, but no, it didn't. I don't even know if it was actually on the shortlist or score because it might not have been eligible. So I, I take that back. But it didn't get any extra nominations. So that means the Academy at large is not as fascinated with it as the viewing public and maybe the actors branch. So does that really make it a possible winner? It would be one of the most surprising Best Picture winners based on its nominations total, I'd say, in like a very long time. What, what do you think? It has no, it's it's only nominee without uh, a directing nomination or any below the line nominations. And uh, I think the last one to win without any of that was Grand Hotel, which was like 1933. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, you know, now, even, like, Licorice Pizza has, a, has also, uh, also has three nominations, but it has directing. Right. Licorice Pizza certainly didn't have the acting nomination, but it has the bigger nominations uh, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it doesn't have that wide range support. And I don't, the thing is, it's like you, you could say, you know, it's it's on Apple and it's probably underseen. I, I think it is. I think more people are, are definitely going to watch it now, like post SAG. But it also wasn't a late movie. Like it premiered at Sundance. It was a huge Sundance hit last year. That's when I saw it. <laughs> so and then it like premiered or it, it was released in August in theaters and on Apple. And like they were definitely campaigning it since then, even if like you could debate whether or not it was their number one, because they also had like Macbeth coming, but they were definitely campaigning it. And um, and I think after a while they knew like it was the most like uh, wide appealing film, because obviously Macbeth is it's very esoteric. Um, so I, I don't think it's it's like totally underseen. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the coda argument now is that, you know, like everyone loves it and people will, it will, it will get like a lot of like twos and threes, but I feel like we say that a lot about these kind of like feel good movies every year, you know, like we were saying that about Chicago seven last Mm -hmm. year and that had six nominations. Um, but it, it never really bears out. And, and yeah, it's hard to ignore its lack of across the board support. And I also feel like if it were that strong, like Marley should have at least gone in at SAG, right? Like she didn't it, even make the BAFTA long list. <laughs> it feels like the support is not there broadly. I think obviously the cast and, and none of its wins on Sunday were that unpredictable. At least no, like, no, not, it was not like it's a shocker that Troy won and that, the movie won best ensemble. And like we have said, and you have said very many times, ensemble is not the same as best picture. And obviously- No, and like, I, I, I kind of wish like we could just celebrate that win as what it is. Like it's honoring them, yes. the cast, it's best cast from a motion picture. And like, let's not necessarily tag that as like now it's winning best picture. Cause as we've talked about that award, that category doesn't even have a 50% hit rate with Oscar right. best picture. They're honoring two completely different things. And we've seen over and over again, Minari accepted, but like a movie like Coda invariably wins at SAG and then doesn't win at the Oscars, right? Coda is like a a weaker Minari and a weaker Little Miss Sunshine. Right. Like like those, um, like Minari had six nominations. It had, uh, it got in for score. So it it had a below the line. It had directing and it had an extra acting nomination in best actor. Right. You know, and it's still only one for Yoo Jung Yoon. Right. And so Little like, Miss Sunshine Coda can still win the, the acting award for Troy, obviously. And then like Little Miss Sunshine, um, it 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 made it won PGA. So I think a lot of people think like Coda can win PGA, but Little Miss Sunshine also made BAFTA best film. Coda did not. You know, Little Miss Sunshine was a front runner for a screenplay win. 
and it yeah. had another nomination for Abigail Reslin as well. So it had yeah. four nominations and one, two, and it won the PGA, obviously. And that was a different time. Yeah. And also year. like they had VGA as well. So, yeah. So I feel like, I guess we'll see if Coda wins best at the producers guild, I guess maybe I'll be a little more, uh, you know, me, it's like, I love it. I would love for it to win, but I just, it's hard to, it's hard to connect the dots for it to win based on recent and even, and you know, Oscars history in general. And if it did win, it would be like a historic upset, the likes of which we have never seen, but which would not, doesn't mean it can't happen, but that's what you're betting on. If I guess if you're picking Coda opposite power of the dog. Yeah. And I guess like it does, it, it, it definitely has like the rooting factor. It's, it, it's, it's the underdog versus like, the power of the dog, basically. Wow. So, See, I made a yeah, dog joke and it was terrible. And yours is all, also bad, but slightly yeah. bad. And, and then, you know, Sam Elliott is in the doghouse now. So wow. Yeah. I bet you Sam Elliott so loved Coda. No, I don't know if he did. I can imagine <laughs> not liking that either. Um, no, I guess like, I think that's what basically exactly right. And I think it's possible it could win. Like we said, I think if you watch the movies, it's code is definitely more like if I was recommending a movie to a normal person choice. Normies love this movie. I would say watch Coda. I would not say watch Power of the Dog. I would not recommend. Well, that it also goes back to what you were saying before and how they've you know been aggressively diversifying the membership. So it might it's skew it's skewing a little bit more highbrow, but they've always been slightly more highbrow or, or like somewhat snobby, right? I think it's skewing way more snobby. I think it's getting more like, yeah, it's getting definitely that way more. So in that sense, you know, I enjoy Coda very much, but it's, it's the safe pick, right? It's not like power of the dog is the challenging pick. Right. And we've seen the Oscars, the Academy as it's gotten more international and more diversified is not afraid to go with the challenging movie. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. just not like, like we said, like the movies we've seen win best picture in the last, five, 10 years are movies that probably would not have won best picture in the nineties, you know, moonlight, uh, even shape of water is like a strange winner. You know what I mean? It's like, these are movies that are strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, these are not that, you know, you look at the nineties and it's like Titanic, right? It's like, okay. Like, you know, that's great. It's just, is there different levels of artistry? I guess nothing against Titanic. I love Titanic. It's a great movie, but it's like different. It's just a different Academy. And I think that's what we're getting is this more kind of like international vibe, uh, more cineast, like I said. Um, so if code is not it, perhaps, though not totally written off, then what about West Side Story, Joyce? Because it's out on stream today. Now, we <laughs> talked about this before we recorded. So many times. They're going to be, there's definitely going to be a take that is, does West Side Story, it's going to be IndieWire, Deadline, one of our sister sites definitely writing. Does, does West Side Story on streaming. It, it's already pre-written. Okay. <laughs> does West Side Story on streaming portend a renewed push for it to win Best Picture? Now, it is the, of these of these nominees and of these possible alternatives to Power of the Dog, I would argue it's probably with slightly ahead of Belfast on the uh, checked off enough boxes. It got best director. It has an acting winner in Ariana DeBose, most likely it missed in a lot of spots where it probably should have gotten in specifically screenplay, which I think is one of the most criminal snubs still like just unbelievable. Um, And Belfast, obviously editing and editing. Belfast obviously got in in screenplay and seemingly could it, win. But there, it also so. missed editing. <laughs> so I think it's like with Belfast, at least if you're looking, you're like putting all the nominations, like you're saying, like it's the missing the least uh, along with Belfast for West Side Story. It's on streaming now. So a lot of people have seen, and we talked about this briefly on Sunday. It is now a seemingly every day on my Twitter feed, I'm seeing people like, you know what movie rules? West Side Story. Wow, it's so great. For months and months, we've been saying, please go see West Side Story. Everyone is finally getting on our level when we've been doing this for literally three months. (laughs) Does it have enough time with like less than a month basically now to go and to really have a renewed phase two push? And is that end up somehow shocking the world and winning? Again, it would be a major upset, I think, at this point if it did. But Joyce, what do you think? No. Like... (laughs) I mean, it will be cool, but it's, it's just, it's too little too late. And it's just watching everyone discover it and rediscover it now is very frustrating for me because it's like we needed this energy in December and January. Right. And, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked like multiple times about like how, uh, their rollout and uh, campaign were suboptimal. I'm I'm not gonna repeat how I would have done it because I've done yeah. that at least three times, but it, yeah, the, the there were 
some issues there and it could have, could have been better. And they could have definitely maxed out on nominations. They left at least three nominations on the table, uh, completely missed SAG ensemble that it could have won probably. And yeah, like there was probably this like two week period in December, like after I saw it. And then let's say like, like, like by like December 17th, like when Spider-Man came out, where I really felt like it could make a push and be like number two um, because it's really good. And it, it really has like everything. Like it's, it's, it, it's a crowd pleaser, <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's a technical achievement as well. Um, and it, then yeah. it became, you know, we, we figured out that like they were not sending on screeners, <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> They needed to send it out. And then they could not, for some reason, get like rid of the narrative that it was a box office flop. Like, I really take issue with this. Like, obviously, it did not, you know, blow up the box office. We know that. But neither did a lot of these movies. And it's still, hold on, I have this up here. It's the number two highest grossing movie of the Best Picture nominees. Obviously, Dune is first. Mm -hmm. But so it made 10 million it's opening weekend and everyone's like, Oh, it's a flop. Like uh, it's not going to recoup. It's hundred million sure, uh, sure. dollar budget, but it's made 38 million right now, which I don't think a lot of people expected after that opening weekend. Comparatively, like you look at like King Richard, which came out three weeks before that it also flopped opening weekend, 5 million. You know, I remember those tweets, you know, calling out how like Will Smith is no longer a box office king, you know, and it, you know, it currently has uh, close to 15 million. So not even 15 million yet. Licorice Pizza has already made more at 16 million over King Richard. And, uh, you know, you could say it was on HBO Max, but it was only on HBO Max for a month and then it went away. So it wasn't like building on that afterwards either but for some reason everyone loves to call a site story a box office flop when it's proven it's had legs to you know close in on 40 million um but also ironically i feel like the fact that it did have legs um might have like prevented them from dumping it on not dumping that sounds bad but like putting it on streaming earlier like what happened with nightmare alley which also flopped and then they immediately put it on Hulu and HBO Max. So that that came out a week after West Side Story, and it's been streaming for a month already. Right. Because they were just like, we'll cut our losses. Right. But I think they were like West Side Story, they were trying to max out at the box office because it was still like making money. Um, but they should have put it on streaming earlier. And I think they could have even, they should have pulled an Encanto with it because Encanto had like a soft box office for a month. And then they, they only did 30 days in Encanto and then they put it on Disney plus on Christmas Eve. And then we know it blew up Bruno mm-hmm. huge hit. Like they could have had their Bruno moment already with West Side Story. If they maybe open it in November, I don't think they wanted to go up against house of Gucci, but you know, why not? But they could have put on Disney plus by Christmas and it could have had a moment. I think I'm of two minds of this. A I'm like, Twitter doesn't matter. Most of this is all just like noise, right? And like, no, but I do, I do think like more people are watching it. More people are watching it. And then people, while Twitter doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, it at least gets your movie into conversation. Like, you're right. Like, Encanto is a massive, I mean, everyone watched it, especially if you had kids or anything. And it's been like a blockbuster hit on Disney Plus and then lost some money at the box office, certainly. But it's like the cultural footprint of Encanto is bigger now than it would have been if it made. 200 million at the box office. You know what I mean? It just is like much bigger. And so that trade-off I think is what these, the the new paradigm is. So with West Side Story, yeah, they kept it in theaters for like two months basically and slowly grinded out that 30 million, whatever. But if it was on like this week, like we saw the power of this weekend at least or over the weekend. And again, it's a small world, a small amount, but it's like people were talking about it, very enthusiastically talking about it. I just think like having it in the, in the conversation helps it seem like a winner. And like we've said in the past, like people want to vote for a thing. They think they want to vote for a winner. You know what I mean? Like it's just whatever psychological reason that is, they don't, sometimes they won't even vote for their favorite thing. They'll just pick like, well, sure. I think it's going to win. So I'm going to vote for it. And West Side Story doesn't have the feel of a winner at the moment before it didn't, because it was like, 
you're right. Like a lot of the conversation was it's a flop, even though it's really good and not a lot of people saw it. And the fact is like, that is a negative, that's a neg and power of the dog. It's like, you know, people loved it. It's a great critical success. It obviously was watched on Netflix. That makes it seem like a bigger bet. Now, I think if West Side Story was available earlier, it would have really helped that. I don't, I don't know, but. Yeah. And also like when that clip at at the dance at a gym went viral this weekend, it was like, if, if you were someone who was not planning on watching it, but then you saw that shot, you know, maybe, and then like all the talk around it and you read Guillermo del Toro's like 13 tweet thread, maybe you're like, oh man, I want to watch this now. You know? I think so. And I think it's funny to me is that like best director feels the most locked, obviously, because I think Jane is going to win. And I think it was a different year. I, I think this would have helped like push Steven Spielberg further up in the conversation. I still think it could, but I don't think he's going to win, obviously. I, I I don't think he's going to win, but um, yeah, like I, like I, I felt <laughs> really like good about the fact that he did get in. Cause I, you know, when everyone was doubting him getting in, like the, getting the nomination, I was like, I, I don't think they're going to ignore him because it's such a technical achievement and everything he does with that film and the camera work and movement. And you see that in that clip, you know, that everyone saw. So uh, yeah, it's, it's good that he got it, but I think, yeah, Jane, un- unless like Jane loses DGA, like there's, you know, I don't think Jane's going to lose DGA, yeah. but I want, so like, what do you think this means for us? Like, like we're talking right now. You can watch West Side Story. Ra- Rachel Zegler Joyce was tweeting all about it. She's watching it right now on Disney Plus, probably. She's seen it like at least two hundred and fifty-two times. So, so what? Uh, so what do we think that's going to mean for West Side Story being available now to stream? Do you think it's going to like we already expect Ariana DeBose to win? So it's got a win there. Does it? Does it add another win or two now? Because I think that's like, that's the most it can hope for. Renewed. Like it could grab another tech you know when like maybe maybe it could pull a lincoln and win an acting award and production design or like another category cinematography maybe <sighs> a puddle shot it could i mean like i could see it like i think one of the things you're looking at is i don't know like the way that people have rallied around the filmmaking and the power of the filmmaking that spielberg does in the movie and like the technical prowess i wonder if he's not going to win best director did he shift that to best cinematography because obviously Giannis maybe Kaminsky and it's like you know yeah, him and Vinish Kaminsky, you know, have been working together for almost 30 years now. Um, and it's it's funny because like last night I watched the 61 West Side yes. Story for the first time in like 20 years at least. And yeah, I like the I mean, I, a lot of thoughts, but one one of the main things I was struck by, which I sort of remembered from the first time watching it way back when uh was that like how static the camera is in that film because they really wanted the wide shots of all the balletic choreography and then in this one like spielberg's it's just it's so different because it's like the camera you're like in the action with them especially in the beginning when they're like defacing the puerto rican flag the mural and everything it's like uh like saving private ryan is my favorite movie and i felt like i was in the opening 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan when I was watching like the, this West Side Story like in November and stuff. Um, so it's just, it's so different. And then you see it with like, you know, you know, he's the master of the crane shot and you see it with that sweeping shot into the gym. You see it like all over this movie if you haven't watched it yet. So it's, it's just so different. Um, and yeah, like different times and like different cinematic styles. But yeah, it, it's a real technical achievement. So I think the best it could hope for now is that it has this renewed buzz because of its new streaming life and maybe it could bag another win or two, but, uh, you know, maybe it'll also, uh, make people feel bad for not seeing it sooner. I will say, (laughs) no, I I don't, I don't begrudge anyone who like did not want to go to the theater to see it. Cause if you're not comfortable going and this open in the middle of Omicron spiking, so I, I don't begrudge that. And I know, a lot of people who've seen it in the theater in the last two weeks and loved it. So, but maybe if you were like a voter and you hadn't touched your screener yet, <laughs> uh, maybe now you feel bad for not voting for it. It's available on Disney plus and HBO max. Cause it's a Fox movie and they kind of had mm-hmm. to do that. Like they did with nightmare alley, which was on Hulu and HBO max. Um, Joyce, I guess I would say the other thing is that regardless, I feel like 
this is a movie that when you're thinking of adapting a a popular product or a piece of IP, uh, the way Spielberg does it, it it totally, like you said, like watching the original, it totally has a reason for existing. It's so much different, even though it's the same story. They they had so many, so much context to like the characters and flesh everything out. Oh my God. The characters are so much better (laughs) than this one. (laughs) It's a lot more cinematic, like you said. I think it, it just, just everything about it is so well thought out and they put so much care into like not just retreading what was already done and won 10 Oscars versus what they wanted to do. Um, it's a really remarkable achievement. And I guess, you know, I saw people like, I think Spielberg wants to do something with like the Bullet character, uh, Steve McQueen, uh, famous uh, film. And I saw some people being like, why is he doing that? And I'm like, after West Side Story, I'll, he could remake stuff. I'm in on it. Like, let him do it. He has such a great, I, I think he has a lot of ideas on how to make it different enough. And yeah. And also like he, yeah, he, he's our, this was obviously his lifelong dream to direct a musical. And then he has finally also made his like semi autobiographical film, the Fablements, which is coming out this year. Like he's talked about that forever. So he's like, check those two things off his bucket list. So now just let him direct some bomb ass car chases. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, so Joyce, also another movie before we move on to, I want to we'll talk about the Oscars broadcast. A Drive My Car is now available too on uh, HBO Max uh, streaming. So it's a big, big streaming week. And there's all these movies are going to be, HBO Max is a lot of the Best Picture nominees in March. I think King Richard and Dune are both cycling back on the service. They obviously have Nightmare Alley already and now West Side Story and Drive My Car. So that's uh, pretty good. It, it, it's a pretty good moment to watch these movies. You haven't watched them, I guess. And, and I'll be curious to see, I think Drive My Car, we expect that to win certainly an international feature. Um, I don't think it'll win anywhere else, but I guess this could be another boon for it as well. Perhaps more people will obviously see it. It was a very big art house success, but I think now it's now that it's more widely yeah. available, I think people will check it out. Yeah. So if, if you want to catch up on all your Best Picture nominees, you can. Um, I think, yeah, it, it could probably, it, it could be like an upset pick and adapted screenplay. I know a lot of people think it could win that if they think, I don't, I don't really know if people vote that way. Like they want to spread the wealth. Like I, I'm not going to vote for Jane Campion in two categories. <laughs> right. You I know? Gotta, I mean, I do think that, I think that's a category that she will not win personally. I think that there's, well, I think also people feel she will lose that because it lost the scripter over the weekend as well to the lost daughter. So I I could see lost daughter winning there. I could see Coda winning there. There's another spot. If it was, you know, if it's going to win best picture, maybe it wins there or drive my car. It's actually a pretty competitive category for sure. So I don't know. I just, I'm like, is Jane Campion going to win two odds? I guess she could very easily, but she could win three. So she, she, three. she could be the but first think, one to win those three. <laughs> but I think maybe she'll just get to two perhaps instead of the three. Cause like you said, I think they do, there is a, a drive to spread the wealth often. I think when, especially when there's other liked movies that are available, like lost daughter, like we said, kind of overperformed, probably came close to a best picture nomination, got Jesse Buckley in. If it's not going to win Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress and people do really like it, maybe Maggie Gyllenhaal wins for Best Adapted Screenplay or Coda, obviously, could win there. If maybe Troy doesn't win, you know, it's not going to walk away with nothing. That's I always try to think that, but it doesn't always work that way because I remember I was like, Lady Bird has to win something. People love it. No, and it doesn't. Nothing. It doesn't have to win Only anything. Nothing. <laughs> Only nothing. It should have won Best Picture, but it won nothing that year. Um, Joyce, do you want to do the Oscar broadcast? So uh, this is still happening. They're, they, they're you know, not not going off of it, which we predicted what last week, because it's like they they purposely announced it this late. Yes. Like uh, it. Let me see. I, they did an interview this week with Deadline, our pals there. Uh, Don Hudson did and Dave Rubin. So CEO Don Hudson, Academy CEO and, and President Dave Rubin. They talked about, you know, it's basically what we said. Uh, they are concerned about the ratings. The ratings have been in the tank. Last year was lowest rated ever. Three of the last four have been the worst rated Oscars of all time. So it's a TV show and on a major network, they want to be people to watch. And this is what they think is going to do it. Um, I will say, I just want to read this one part because it's, it's, it's uh, proof that you and I should be maybe called in. Uh, we looked at a lot of different ideas of taking categories and doing like the Emmys and presenting them on another night or another way. But we thought if we can be the most respectful to all the nominees and winners, how do we do that? And so this year, a critical year where we knew we had to make changes, we worked out this plan. That's Don Hudson. So that was my Emmys idea, doing a virtual, you know, uh, the creative arts Emmys, but for the Oscars. Um, they didn't do it. 
no, they didn't do it. See the, <laughs> the fundamental problem with that idea, which I, I, I love the creative arts Emmys. We've talked about this and I love what they did two years ago when it was five nights streaming, everyone could see it. Like the Emmys have a million categories. It's completely impossible for them to present it all on one night in three hours. The Oscars only has 23 categories. They can totally do this in one night. The Emmys on the main show presents 27 categories and they get it all in. Right. Like there's basically just no excuse to be cutting these eight categories when you're not even trying to shorten the show to like two hours or something. So like over the weekend I was with my friend and he asked me to like explain this like controversy or whatever to him. And I told him, and then I was like, you know, they're cutting like these eight categories and that's why everyone's mad. And he's like, so is the show going to be like two hours? And I was like, Oh no, no, no. It's still three hours. And he's like, so like, what are they using the time for? I was like, for like comedy sketches and uh, more montages basically. He's like, why? And he's like, cause I said, like, they think that's what's going to increase the ratings. And he's like, but like, why? Like, no one is going to watch the show because like you're cutting these categories. Like, why don't you just make the show for people who are watching it? I was like, exactly. (laughs) And he has never watched Oscars before in his life. And he's not going to start now because they're cutting eight categories and adding, you know, another sketch or 15. It, it seems like that's the obvious thing. Uh, even even myself, who is like, I mean, I'm actually in on these changes just because I think I'm, I just feel that the Oscars should be is not for mainstream audiences anymore. It's and not. So like, but that's also why they shouldn't try to pander to them and do this. Like, yes, to pander to them. I talked I talk to uh, Pamela Martin this week, Joy's an Oscar nominee and best editor. You, you told me about this. Yes. <laughs> so I, I asked her about this and she said this. She said, I, I was like, does it take away from the, the nomination. That's how I framed it for her. She was like, no, it doesn't. Uh, but unfortunately, the way it was done, it doesn't make you feel good. It's a little disheartening. They presented in a way that was like, oh, the way we're going, it was going to play on the show is the same experience for everyone. And that's what they've said in interviews this week. They're like, your Oscar is still getting shown on the show. It's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. And she says, if it was the same experience for everybody, they wouldn't have chosen those categories. They would have pulled them randomly out of a hat, which is true because then maybe- yeah. Ariana DeBose wins her Oscar, Cody Smith McPhee wins his Oscar in a, in a pre-show environment. And then she, like you were just saying, she said, I don't think they're going to gain more viewers by doing this. People who don't watch the Oscars are not interested in this sort of thing. Uh, So it's a little disappointing. And the fact that they're spending more screen time on Twitter voted best awards at the expense of the production designers or editors or short films being a live show in the way we're accustomed to is disappointing as well. Um, So I mean, that's, that's the set. That's what they're fighting up against. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, they're supposed to be celebrating their art form and it's like, they're embarrassed by themselves. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. And the other thing is like, even again, me being like not totally anti it, I think the bigger issue is that whatever they, everything they do now is under a microscope, right? Like you were saying, so whatever they're replacing with this with, is going to be well. Even if I didn't get a boring speech from Craftsperson X, instead I got this really bad comedy bit with Celebrity Y, basically, or this unnecessary montage that we don't care about. And I think that is going to amplify the criticism a lot because. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, for sure. Because you're just robbing this person of their moment, like the the career peak for them, basically. You know and. The other, I don't, I don't know if it's in that interview or like one of the other ones that they did, but they were explaining how they were going to cut in like those eight speeches, like, and weave them into the show. And, uh, you know, one of them said like, oh, you, you won't miss like the emotional impact or something. It's like, yes, you would, because you're, you're just gonna like cut to the part where maybe like they start crying or something, or like you're thinking like their parents or, you know, whatever. And like, we're not going to have the context for it because it's going to be all choppy. Like it's like these emotional moments like hit us because of the buildup to it. Cause we've seen like their reaction, like maybe it's an upset, like how shocked they are. And then they're just like hugging like all their collaborators and everything. And like the, the emotional moments won't have impact if you, if you don't have like context around it, you know, like think about Michael Keaton's speech at SAGS on Sunday, 
late because he was in the bathroom. But that entire thing, I don't know, it was a couple minutes long. But, you know, he rolled up on stage like John Hamm at the Emmys and then gave this long speech, covered a lot of things. And they never once played him off. But yeah, and then, you know, he ended with this really touching, moving tribute to his nephew who died of a drug overdose. And we won't have that same impact if you just show that ending, even though it's really sad what he's talking about. Like, it doesn't hit you the same. The other thing I think, I guess, for me with this is everything you said there is true. I, I do think there is a world where they should have figured out a different way to do this, I guess. And this we could we could fold this into fan favorite. It feels like the Academy leadership uh, doesn't have the greatest grasp of online how the online culture helps the the show, let's say, or can be used positively and negatively, let's say, because to me, is there a second screen environment where they're showing the full speech and like you know people are watching this Oscars with multiple things going on. You're looking at your phone, you're watching on your laptop, you're going to be doing all different things. That's how most people are actually watching it now. And is there a world where you get the full emotional impact on like Twitter, like the SAG Awards, every time they, every speech on the SAG Awards was up immediately, basically. Yeah. Right? Like, And it's like, that's great because if I was not paying attention or something, I could go back and look. And you, see you missed happened. the, I am an actor thing. Right. I missed the, I am the actor thing. And I was yeah. able to find it in two seconds. Right. So uh, I think the SAG Awards and we mocked the Golden Globes for their uh, the way they announced their winners. But that was a, at least an enthusiasm that created a viral. That was, that was a moment. And uh, I will never forget those tweets. <laughs> and I don't know that the Oscars definitely have a grasp on the power of how they can weaponize social media in that as in that fashion and like really enhance the show. And I I don't know. I, I do don't I don't mind necessarily the idea of changing how they do things, but I, I don't know if this doesn't feel the most thought out. Like it does feel like they were, if you read between the lines of that quote that I read earlier from Don Hudson, where it's like, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but this is a critical year where we had to make changes and we worked out this plan. It sounds like they would have preferred to have a little more time to sit and think on how to reconstruct the Oscars for a current audience that would help enthused film fans and people who like the Oscars like ourselves and then just the regular moviegoer who's like, I like Spider-Man, uh, but perhaps did not have time to do that this year. I guess you could argue, why haven't they been working on this since the end of last year's show? So now, why did it, why do we have to rush to this decision when you had a year to figure out all the issues that were present last year and were present the year before and the year before that? Um, but regardless, that's what they came up with. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that that's it. And then you look at the so to dovetail that into the Oscars fan favorite choice. Voting closes on this Thursday, We're recording this on Wednesday. They released the leaderboard uh, this week. Wow. Is a uh, one. Um, yeah, a, a lot of, if, if anyone predicted this top 10. Here's the top 10 in alphabetical <laughs> order. They didn't release the vote totals. Uh, Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's movie. In there, perhaps because Justice League was not eligible because only movies that oh, were eligible for sure. Oscar. They, you know, they're not, they know what they're doing. Cinderella for Camila Cabello stands. Dune, Malignant, which is a completely unhinged horror movie that is hilarious and went viral because of how silly it is in like a good way. People actually liked it. Mini Mata, which is a Johnny Depp movie. Uh, Power of the Dog, somehow in there, great fan favorite. Sing. Two, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Suicide Squad, and Tick, Tick, Boom. So what I see here is a couple of Netflix movies that have the power of Netflix behind them. Uh, Johnny Depp stands, who are very aggressive Very uh, passionate about him. And Zack Snyder stands, who are very passionate online. Camila Cabello stands, who are very passionate online. Sing 2, because I guess parents and kids like Sing 2, perhaps. Uh, Dune and Malignant, great for them. And Suicide Squad, all HBO Max movies that were also in theaters. And then Spider-Man, which is the biggest movie of recent memory. I, I mean, this is just, this is not what you want, Joyce, I would say. Um, so I, I, I think I would, of these, I think I would first want Cinderella to win because that would just be hilarious. And then... You know, they, they could do that flash mob again um, for everyone. That could be one of their bits. And then 
but I also want the power of the dog to win because the whole reason these two <laughs> Twitter awards exist is because they're you know basically afraid that like power of the dog is going to win or like you know it's the front runner that is you know too cerebral for general audiences and they basically created these awards uh to pander to uh, spider-man fans yes so i would love it if the power of the dog beat spider-man <laughs> i would too like, uh, completely I, want this to be, I want this to be complete chaos for them I yeah think it's, it's so like it's, it's what they deserve <laughs> also i don't know if again talking about like the the lack, seeming lack of online savvy. I would, who knows? Like they're obviously, this has generated a lot of noise for them. Certainly Oscars fan favorite, both derisively and positively people are voting. So in the end, they're sitting there in their Zoom meetings. And like, this has been an unqualified success, certainly to get at least interest in the show and no bad publicity, no publicity is bad publicity, I guess is probably the idea. But if you wanted to avoid potentially Mini Mata winning or Army of the Dead or Cinderella when you clearly wanted Spider-Man to win or even like a tick tick boom. They obviously had like ideas of what should win this. They're they're trying not to rig it, which I respect. I actually don't. I think they should have like put they like, should rig it. Yeah, well, they could have said, like, here are the five movies, pick your favorite. You know, if it's a critics' choice awards, the critics' choice awards kind of like steering in the right direction a little bit, right? I mean, I'm sorry, People's Choice Awards. Critics' Choice Awards, too, probably steering in the right direction. But Critics' Choice, uh, they'll just have ties. <laughs> but yeah. I'm like, they kind of like, I don't know, they, they should have perhaps put a little few guardrails Do you think on they'll this. rig it for Spider-Man? I have no idea. I don't know if they could do that. I don't know. I think it would be, it would be so I, obvious. I, I do believe these are the actual top 10. I do uh, also, because if they weren't, there's no way Mini Mata, I mean, Mini Mata is- Like, they would not include, exists. like, Johnny Depp in there. <laughs> right, it barely yeah. exists. Like, it's on there because Johnny Depp- And, and we knew, fans. we saw how rabid the, the Camilla fans were, like, the day this started. Yeah, so. and we saw the Zack Snyder fans as well. So, yeah. like, those are, like, the, that is what happened here. So, one of those most likely could win, unless they rig it, perhaps, and say that- surprise spider-man did win i, I don't know i don't even I mean, understand like how all of this work like so what happens after tomorrow like the so voting closes and they have a month to figure out how they're going to back out of this i guess i don't know. i don't know like are we going to have like are they going to like winnow it down to top five i don't understand because like with the other one oscar's cheer moment when they announced this whole thing they never said that there were two phases they never said like closing was going to and like phase one voting would end on February 24th. And then all of a sudden they just tweeted that like the day before last week. And it's like, oh, okay. And then these are your five finalists with J HUD in there. Right. Uh, I I don't even, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I have no idea. I mean, like literally no idea, (laughs) but uh, it's not going to be, it's definitely not going to be what you want. And again, if you wanted to do this, they could have just said, Hey, we're going to honor spite. I mean, I, I guess, like I said, it obviously created a large amount of noise around the Oscars that wasn't there previously. Uh, not positively, but definitely noise. At the same time, if you wanted to honor Spider-Man, you could have just said, hey, guess what? We're going to throw Spider-Man a big... We all love Spider-Man, and it's going to have a major part of our show. You know? Yeah, like, you can still talk about Spider-Man. Put it, put it in one of your montages. Like you don't need to try to give it a fake award. You know, I went to the Oscars choice uh, 20... 2018, I guess I went, or 2019, I guess. Was it 20? You were there for Green Book? No, 2018. I was there for Shape Shape of Water. And that was the year Black Panther had come out and was a massive, massive cultural phenomenon already. And they did like a thing on Black Panther, I think, in that Oscars, if I remember correctly. Is that is that the same year that I missed that up? Uh, I think like Chadwick presented, right? 2018. I don't, I, don't I, mean, I haven't rewatched King. that show, so I don't know. Right. Black Panther. Because, like, the ceremony was like a week after. Oh, no, not, not a week after because it was the Olympics. So, because uh, Black Panther opened mid February. So, it was like Black two Panther mid February. So, they did something at that Oscars, basically, in the, the 2018 Oscars. They did a thing on Black Panther. And then the year later, it was actually nominated. But, like, I'm like, you could do a tribute to just, the just get, big like, movie. Tom get the cast right to yeah just reunite all three spideys do the meme <laughs> easily could have done that great pointing at each other uh very fun um this is but just you know a- you know who who thinks spider-man should have been nominated samuel L. jackson 
Yeah, he did. And Jimmy yeah. Kimmel. A lot of basics uh, people think. And we, I would say, too, I, I'd be happy with it to get nominated. I don't uh, I think it could have found a spot, especially like, again, it's. A movie oh, yeah. I, if, if I got in 10, I would be fine with it. Yeah. The thing that's funny is that also, even if it had gotten in, do you think it like. It wouldn't have won. Obviously wouldn't have won. But I don't I also don't believe that people would I, I don't believe that people would have just watched because it was nominated for best picture i guess that's the other thing like i don't know that you would have regular non-oscar watchers who they're courting no, no, no. They, they don't care about that. like like the spidey fans you mean like marvel fans no yeah i don't think people would watch so but, I, I don't wait, know because they don't yeah like you said before like they don't understand like uh internet culture like people have very short attention spans no one reads anything they just read the tweet like the headline, they don't actually read the story. <laughs> they, you know, even though TikTok is going to what, 10 minutes now, like they, they want their like nice brief clip, you know? So like they, if, if they know like Spider-Man is nominated, they'll be, they'll celebrate it, but they're not going to watch it. And they'll just wait for, you know, like whatever moment involving them on like, if like Zendaya and like Tom are presenting or something, or if they're there, they'll, they'll be here for like the fashion. Right. Right. Like the red carpet stuff. And if they do like a bit or something like they'll pay attention on like social media, but they're not going to watch it. Let me ask you this. Is this is this what we're headed towards? And we'll wrap up here because I'm sure people are like, why are you still talking about this show? It's not, who cares? But I guess looking at what they've talked about, the changes they made here and just the idea, it's clear that the traditional idea of what an Oscars telecast is, is not the same anymore and certainly not going to be as watched. And I wonder I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, what? you know, the Tonys do a better show than the Oscars. Now, the Tonys give out awards in the commercials. They're, no one watches the Tonys. So it's like you're going to say, oh, why are you trying to catch the Tonys? But this year's Tonys, I believe, or last year's, was split into two. It was a tough year because of all the COVID stuff. There wasn't a lot of nominees, obviously. Well, it was also delayed for over a year. They ended up doing uh, two shows, right? They did a streaming show on like Paramount Plus, And then on CBS, they did like a celebration of Broadway is how they framed it. And it was like two hours. I think they gave out like maybe a couple of big awards, but it was mostly just like performances and tributes and reunions and all these different things. And I wonder after this year, based again, reading between the lines of that quote, where it sounded like they were rushed into this, even though they had a year or two years to figure it out, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. They were rushed into it. What if next year's show ends up being a little bit of a hybrid where you're giving out awards. They are obviously this year setting up the idea that they could start the show at seven o'clock, but the televised version starts at eight. What if they kick this back to like five or six o'clock? They're going to have something that streams on Hulu or Disney Plus or whatever ABC property they want to. And then starting at eight o'clock on ABC or even nine o'clock on ABC, they go nine to 11 with like a tighter two hour like here's a tribute to movies and we're going to give out best picture and best actor and best actress and everything else is earlier. And it's basically a full day of viewing if you're an Oscars fan, but the, what is on ABC is a lot different. Do you think people would be outraged by that? I think, didn't they address this at how, like, they didn't want to stream that earlier hour with those eight categories? Because it's like basically ABC being like, no, like we want everything on linear TV. Because I, I think people would still be upset about this whole idea, but if like that first hour were streamable, like they would be a, a tad more accepting but because it's like you can still see everything in full like it's the, the speeches are not going to be edited down I, like I shoved do think into the broadcast that is i do think that's what they should do also i've seen people be like oh it's not fair to the winners in that first hour because there's going to be a red carpet going on and like you're going to have a you know if if Tammy Faye wins best hair and makeup, which people are expecting. Jessica Chastain is not going to be in there, perhaps, because she's going to be on the red carpet uh, doing an interview. And again, the one Oscars I went to, so I'm an expert on this, obviously, Joyce. Uh, I have bad news for people. There are rarely time. People are moving around all the time. They're not. They're in the green room, just boozing it up, like at the bar. The bar the is packed. Obviously, yeah. now who knows with COVID and stuff. But when I went, the bar was constantly packed. People are locked out in the segments. They only could come in during the commercial breaks. And often they're just not in there. And that's everybody from like the rubes, like myself who were there to like famous people who were not there. So I do think there is like maybe a false impression of what it actually is like at the ceremony. And I think that's probably why 
you know, Don Hudson and Dave Rubin are like, it's going to be no real different than it is normally because fact of the matter is the chances of Jesse Chastain being in there perhaps for, you know, the best animated short winner are low because maybe she'll be out, you know, running to the bathroom or doing something else or whatever it is. I'm just used to her career because I thought of her, but so I do wonder if eventually they, would they stream it? I guess we'll, they're probably going to see how it goes this year and decide, but I would say maybe that's a way to split the difference between the massive overhaul of like creative arts Emmy style. Like we're going to do a show every night. Like we talked about or one show earlier and then like what they're doing, maybe just make a longer day. Some of it's, they, they should just stream the whole thing. It should definitely stream the whole thing. Cause everyone, there are Oscar fans around the world who want to watch it. Right. And not everyone wants to watch the Oscars, but there are people who want to watch Oscars and want to see these eight categories in full. So yeah. just do that. <laughs> and there's an audience for that, that they could, again, it's like advantageous to them because they could sell to us, right? They're going to sell, they could sell if they were airing that first two hours or whatever it was, if they said, Hey, we're going to start the Oscars at five o'clock from five to 11, we would be watching that Oscar. Yeah. Like we and, would watch all six hours <laughs> and they could take commercial, they can run ads in the YouTube stream or on Hulu or whatever it is, or take breaks. It's just, there is a world where, it's more advantageous for them to do that. And I wonder if we'll eventually get there. And these are just the growing pains to get there. But uh, I mean, ABC people... has them until 2028. So, right. But ABC could do this because they have all they could, but hours. like it's, you know, apparently they rejected that idea of streaming that first hour. So, yeah, that's true. And Joyce, I got, I got nothing else then. Uh, any, any last words before we wrap up? Belfast still winning, I guess. You're going to move to Belfast now? No, I'm sorry. Power of the Dog's still winning. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading Belfast. Power of the Dog is still winning. I'm not moving to Belfast. I was like, wow, after all this. <laughs> no, according to our odds, Power of the Dog is still the overwhelming favorite. Belfast in second, West Side Story in third. Dune in I fourth. mean, nothing's really changed that much, I don't think. Code we, need, we have a couple guilds this weekend, Ace. Yeah. Um, our directors, so we'll see. All right. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll talk again soon, Joyce, and... Uh, I'm sure we'll have a, another fan favorite update next week. So. Can't wait. And hopefully cheer moment. <laughs> Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at Gold Derby. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.